My name is Jenny Hinchcliffe, and this is Senders Receive, a podcast about mail, art, and the people who make it happen. Broadcasting from beautiful San Francisco while bringing you stories and experiences of postal moderns and mail art mavens. Let's go ahead and bring on the show. Hello, everyone. My name is Jenny Hinchcliffe, and this is Senders Receive. Today, I'm sitting down with Barbara Wyeth of Postcard Palace, and I'm really excited to share her stories with Senders Receive listeners. Barbara Wyeth is a San Francisco artist who has specialized in photography, copier art, and mail art. As co-owner of the Postcard Palace in San Francisco's North Beach neighborhood, Barbara provided a cultural community center where people could stop by, look around, and become inspired. The Palace's annual mail art exhibitions are legendary, with contributors such as Carioca, Rockola, Buster Cleveland, and Ruby Ray, among many, many others. For the past few years, Barbara has focused exclusively on analog arts, such as drawing and painting. I'm thrilled to talk with Barbara about her mail art and copier work, as well as the beloved Postcard Palace, which I have no doubt many Bay Area mail artists remember fondly. Welcome, Barbara. Thanks, Jenny. I am very happy to be talking to you today. Oh, I'm really excited to sit down with you and and have this conversation, and I thank you for stopping by today. So we'll go ahead and we'll just jump right in. Um, You know, a lot of times I start out with a question for people about whether or not they collected stamps or they wrote letters as a kid. Did you, (laughs) were there any obvious signs at an early age that you would grow up and be involved in the mail art scene? There was, definitely. Um, I think, first of all, I grew up in the 50s and 60s, and people still mailed a lot. Uh, Letters, greeting Mm -hmm. cards, for sure. And if you went any place, you always sent a postcard wish you were here. It was, Mm. it was very common. Uh, the other thing too, um, I had a, a pen pal in Japan and, you know, I can't really even remember her name, but I would get these sweet, wonderful things and they'd be in these tissuey email envelopes, you know, with the little stripes around the edges, uh, onion skin. And I, I don't know where I got it from, to be honest, but I loved all that. The other thing is one of my uh, friends, when I was very young, her parents, her dad actually, uh, was part owner in the drugstore down at the corner um, from where we lived. And they, of course, sold postcards in these wonderful racks that would say things like husband, daughter, grandchild, you know, happy birthday to a two-year-old boy. I mean, everything was so specific. Right. And I love just kind of the artwork and the leafing through them and sort of playing with them. It, I'm, I mean, he didn't object. Um, but those are always like really, really fond memories uh, as as a kid as a young person. And I always have been a little bit of a hoarder. My mother would tease me about little boxes and packages of things that I would make. So some kind of paper Mm -hmm. obsession started early. (laughs) I don't know where it came from, but 
A lot of listeners can totally identify with that. Yes. <laughs> did you love to go to the post office as a little kid? I don't remember going to the post office. I remember getting mail. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember going to the post office. One thing that uh, my grandfather on my father's side, the one who wasn't a farmer, <laughs> uh, he used to be a mailman mm. and he was a stamp collector but he passed away when I was still very, very young. And I remember vaguely his stamp collection that my brothers kind of played around with. But that, I, I, you know, those, that's one of those things that I wish had been saved or put away or something. But somewhere along the line, that kind of disappeared. But the idea of these little miniature images intrigue me the smallness of them the edges those perforated edges yeah yeah <laughs> i i was fascinated but more as an object uh than a function you know i just thought these are neat little mm-hmm. things little pieces of paper yeah. <laughs> more paper yeah and so as you became like a teenager did you continue your pen pal writing activities um you know, not so much, but I did, again, after I went away to college and stuff, uh, I really kept up with people. We all did. It was just, like I said, it was just more common. I mean, again, I'm old enough to remember not having a phone in my room, but having a phone in the dorm hallway. And it was kind of a deal. Yeah. And it cost money to to phone. So it was very common to keep in touch with with letters more than more than postcards at that time. Just uh, and we were young and idealistic, and of course we were always writing these <laughs> wonderful letters about our ideas and everything. But um, <laughs> but it kind of tapered off yeah. as as my life changed. You know, as I got to know more people, I got more politically involved. I was switched to an art major, and then it was kind of hippie days. So. I got into that whole scene, I guess. But actually, I guess to to go on from there, towards the end of my, I went to the University of Iowa. I transferred there. And at the end, towards mm-hmm. the end of my time in Iowa, I worked at a wonderful store in Iowa City that was very unique for its time and had beautiful clothes, very, you know, it was all kind of Lon- the London look and all this Biba from London clothing and style. Right. It was great. And the store also had a, a deli, you know, a men's store, a women's store, or shoes. It was uh-huh. quite quite the place. And a bunch of us who worked there, we were right within about a 40-minute drive to the Amana Colonies. And the Amana Colonies, it was all German Amish, and we would go and have breakfast early Uh, in the day, drink a bunch of coffee, come back and work at the store. But they had, they (laughs) sold as souvenirs, a lot of, a lot of cards. And because European printing, Germany and Italy Mm -hmm. had such beautiful printing and there were a lot of art reproductions and I was an art student. So that was a way to have reproductions of art. I learned a lot from those. I love collecting them. They didn't take up a lot of space. They also had those yeah. kitty cards, like kitties house cleaning, kitties cooking oh, with the little yes. edge. I'm sure yes. you've got uh-huh. some of those in your collection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they, it, I mean, they had incredible postcards, so that got me really going. And then a friend that I met 
in those days said, oh, you, you like postcards, here's some of mine. Mm-hmm. And they were not as visually interesting, but they were from the East Coast. She was a New England girl, and they were from that area. Then she had a friend in Chicago that we visited, and he was like a complete mm-hmm. ephemera postcard nut. So all of this mm-hmm. just continued to grow, and I just started really picking up postcards. And I'd go to a museum or, uh, and a lot of it was art related. That was kind of my focus. And then kitsch and and then something like those unbearably cute bunnies and kitties and all that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So for you, it really started with postcards. Yeah. I, I was a serious postcard collector by the time I moved to San Francisco. Since then, you know, I was telling you my early days at the drugstore with those mm-hmm. card racks. Well, I have two card racks and one of them is from a store that closed on 24th street in Noe Valley about, I don't know, mm-hmm. 1980 or something. Another one is from Oakland stationary drugstore that closed. And I have one case that's mm-hmm. totally full of postcards and the other is full of all kinds of other stuff that I need to go through too. But, <laughs> right. um, Right. And I, at, at this time that I've been here so much uh, in my default retirement, um, I decided to go through them and try to thin them out. Well, I have one shopping bag halfway full. That's as far as I've gotten. Everything else I've just thought, oh, this is fabulous. Look how wonderful these are. That yeah. will go in the uh, the San Francisco section, and this will go in the Kitty Fantasy section. <laughs> so I haven't gotten very far. I haven't thinned them out very much. Well, so that's that is a wonderful segue into talking about the Postcard Palace. Um, you have mentioned to me that in 1978, here in San Francisco, you opened the Postcard Palace. Uh, you were a co-owner with your friend Diane Best, mm-hmm. and so was the Postcard Palace inspired by a particular idea? It, or it was very specifically inspired by a store in New York called Untitled. It was in Soho on oh, Prince okay. Street. And it was very, well, I, I always think there's an East Coast aesthetic and a West Coast. And East Coast seems more academic, more conservative, not as colorful. Mm-hmm. And West Coast is brighter and just more exuberant or something, but um, mm-hmm. it there, and if you're a person like me who loves postcards, I still love going to those shows where you sit down at a little table and you just start going through them. Well, that's what this store was like, and they did have um, some art books as well, but it was primarily postcards, and that mm-hmm. really inspired me. That was the inspiration. But I do have to say that at the time that we opened our store, I think we opened maybe a few months only before another postcard store quantity that was up on Grant Avenue. Oh, yeah. And he's yeah, um, QP. he basically uh, started with vintage cards, and that was sort of his specialty, and then he went on to produce them. And I really wanted – our uh, Diana and I were really into the – she was a – is and was a student at the Art Institute, and um, our interest was really uh-huh. uh, in the more art postcards. Um, right. And I met Diane right. working at the cannery, and uh, she became a friend, and we got to talking, and I told her that I wanted to open a postcard store. <laughs> 
And she said, well, I like postcards. I have postcards. I'd like to do that too. And, and so, and so we, that's what we did. Wow. And thus a dynamic partnership was born. Yes. And a, and a wonderful friendship wow. too. All these years. Yeah. 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 So then can you, you know, Diane was at SFAI at San Francisco Art uh-huh. Institute. Can you can you tell us a little bit about the art scene in North Beach in the late 70s and early 80s? Because there was so much. Yeah, it was such an incredible uh, time. I think I, when I was thinking about it, I was trying to think of how to describe it. Art active, art busy. I mean, there was mm-hmm. just so much going on. But um, when I first moved to San Francisco, uh, I worked at the cannery. I lived in the Mission and. Uh, from the mission, okay. I'd have to get to the cannery down, like basically Fisherman's Wharf, and yeah. I I've always used public transportation, so we go through it on the bus. And I got to mm-hmm. know North Beach, and I I loved it. My favorite neighborhood still. I love the mission, even though it's it's so fancy now; it's hard hardly recognizable. And North Beach, and so when I wanted to start the store. I thought it would be a good location, and um, I thought that we would get more tourist traffic, not that we wanted that specifically, but I thought that would be a good base, and then we could build more of an art scene on top of that. Well, quite frankly, that never worked out very well. Uh, We were just (laughs) one block below Washington Square Park, and there's kind of this these patterns pedestrian patterns Mm -hmm. that you're not aware of, you know? So we never really got that. And also most of the tourists wanted to know where Fisherman's Wharf was and was there a bathroom and where's Garibaldi to buy chocolate, you know? Uh, Right, right. (laughs) But, uh, um, you know, there still was and there still is kind of this artsy atmosphere in North Beach, there also was this crazy punk scene going on that I didn't consciously really know about that much, but it was as if we got there and they all found us. <laughs> mm, incredible. It, it was really interesting. And before, I think in around the mid seventies, so um, again, rela- going back to the art Institute, a friend was working at the art Institute where they had a color Xerox machine. And so I had already been experimenting with that and then at La Raza and the Mission, and they were producing cards and other things with color Xerox. Mm-hmm. So that people were, uh, you know, everybody, everybody had an AKA. They had a, you know, Anaconda and F. Stop Fitzgerald mm-hmm. and everybody had a name, you know, um, some kind of pseudonym or AKA and, People were producing zines. You know, there were a million little Xerox magazines, and some of them are still around, some aren't. But also, on a more commercial level, there was Wet Magazine. There were Raw mm-hmm. Magazines that were incredible. You know, the first edition of mm-hmm. Mouse came out in Raw Magazine. Um, and we mm-hmm. sold interviews, uh, which were always a mainstay. We sold a lot of interview magazines. So all of that kind of came together without us really planning on it. And then there was the Mabuhe. I mean, right. Yeah. It was happening. And, um, you know, there were shows 
up on Grand Avenue. Um, my mind is is not remembering the the great bar up there, and they'd have shows in the back. Um, it was just it was so lively. Is it, uh, like Savoy Tivoli, maybe. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking yeah. of. Okay. And um, mm-hmm. again, we didn't we weren't quite aware of all that when we started the store, but we it was fun. We welcomed it. We were into it. You know, it was new yeah. and lively and interesting and we we spent many a night uh at the mab or at savoy they had a great tuna nissoise salad there too i remember um yeah it was it was just it was going it was jumping you know and we were we were right there i mean these i remember uh there was a a boy at that time uh, who went to Galileo High School, and he started coming in, and he was he was only about 18, but he was totally punked out. He had a big crush on Diane, who was a tall woman, and he came up to about her shoulder, but he would come by all the time <laughs> to visit, and he had a, a band uh, that would play at the uh-huh. Mabuhe, so we go, you know, here's Sophia and um, his band. Yeah. Um, it, it was just... And and those people would come see us. Uh, we started to have art opening. Rex Ray, who became a very well-known artist, oh, unfortunately yeah. passed away a while mm-hmm. back. But yeah. he, he was going to the Art Institute and working at Tower Records down there. And he walked by, and he the store was in an old building, and it had high ceilings. So even above our card racks, there was a lot of wall space. And he walked in and said, you need to hang art here. So we started hanging art <laughs> and we'd have, um, wow. we'd have a show every month and an wow. opening and it got to be a real scene. I mean, we just had these huge crowds and of course it was a store. So that part of it was, <laughs> we didn't sell a lot, but it, it became quite the scene. Yeah. I mean, I love, love, love the idea that Postcard Palace became so much more, you know, for the artists and sort yeah, of Yeah, the- it did cultural cultural maker culture makers of that neighborhood and and it really was mm-hmm. this like meeting place for people to come and and not only like see the cards and see the art on the wall but then like meet other like-minded people i mean that's incredible that's amazing yeah yeah, yeah. that's that's what happened and then electro arts that was run by a couple nora nizam they mm-hmm had they moved i think they moved in shortly after us i don't think they were there before but i'm not totally clear i don't remember that details but they were showing um they had a xerox machine and they showed xerox art and i did a few shows there on my own but then they had a very difficult landlord situation we mm-hmm. had a very eccentric landlady, but as long as we paid the rent, she was there was no problem. Yeah. So uh, they joined forces with us um, after we had been in business for a few years. So, so at that point, we had a color Xerox machine there too. So people not only looked at art, talked about it, bought a little bit of it, uh, but they could make it there too. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that e- that became even more of a sort of gathering social yeah. sort of experience. Yeah. Um, so Electro Arts, just to clarify, Electro Arts moved out of their space because of, you know, landlord and building stuff, and they moved into your space. 
Yeah, they join forces with with us. Ah, okay. Wow. And I mean, just to sort of remind people who might be listening, you know, this was probably late 70s, early 80s. And so Xerox technology was super new and it was revolutionary. You know, now you could print a hundred of something in a matter of minutes. I think people lose sight of that these days. You know, when it first started, people were like so excited about it. And even though it was certainly more expensive than a dime for a, a black and white copy, mm. but it was still yeah. uh, fast, cheap, and easy. You And so many people, and, and not all of the artwork was great by any means, but it was, it was experimental and it was exciting and fun. And people thought, this is the new thing. This is going to change the art world completely. Well, we know what happened about 20 years, not even that much. <laughs> longer you know uh computers changed everything uh, more significantly so it was kind of this little window and it came in at such a time it was this sort of zeitgeist i mean mail art making art color copies punk music uh fanzines and some of that has survived and it's still going but of course the the technology the xerox i mean that machine that we copied on was the size of a, a wash machine, you know, <laughs> right. It was, it was right. Yeah. And if anything went wrong with it, you had to call the technician and we would do mm-hmm. some kind of crazy things and we'd have to act real innocent when he came in to fix it. And we don't know what happened as the flames <laughs> were shooting out the side of right. the machine. <laughs> I don't know. It just happened. Yeah. I don't know what kind of paper was run through that. Yeah. (laughs) We tried to run through newsprint. And because the ink was fused with heat, it lighted the paper on fire. That was exciting. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It goes beyond just trying to get cardstock through there. Yeah. Right. Wow. Wow. So then when people would come in to use the color copier, you know, what kinds of things were they working on? What kind of experimenting were they doing? Well, um, the people were doing postcards, of course. And uh, my an, another dear friend who, uh, late friend, Barbara Cushman had, was got very involved and did yeah. these wonderful color Xerox calendars. So uh, people were printing up those sheets to go in the calendars, but um, you could do transfers on that. Diane and Nora both, uh, Diane especially, developed this style where she would print a transparency and then cut up, grid the transparency to make it into a slide and then print the slide on a transfer, a heat transfer sheet so she could blow images up to be very large and then transfer that onto a paper and then paint. And she used that technique for a long time. But people would do mostly collage art. And the thing about, uh, they would make postcards, and we would sell them, some of them, not all of them, some of it was personal. But the thing about using the uh, copier is that you could be very timely. And so a lot of stuff was political. A lot of it was, it was very timely. Of You didn't have to print 500 postcards like you would if you did a regular postcard run. 
you could print as many as you wanted. And then when we started doing the male art shows, which we started actually the next year after we opened with the first one was 79. And, um, Ah, okay. You know, that was, that really got, we got a lot of so much work that was incorporated the, the color Xerox machine because that was such a great, easy, fast, cheap, and easy way to, to reproduce. And in this kind of bright garish color that, fit into the time period, very brash, very kind of in-your-face kind of reproduction. There was a lot of really beautiful work done. It was a wonderful technique. Um, You could do all kinds Mm -hmm. of things with Color Xerox, but uh, when we had our male art shows, we got a lot of work that was done uh, on Color Xerox. Yeah, the color of those early color Xeroxes is just amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it. I mean, it's. I wish it's. It's all. It's garish, almost. You know, it's just so intense. It's all plastic ink. I love it so much, and you know, I. Oh, I just. It's so fantastic, and I. In the interview I did with uh, Sally Wasink, also known as Sally Wurlitzer, you know, she talks about early color copying and using that in her mail artwork and how she wishes that nowadays <laughs> there was some sort of filter that she could apply in Photoshop <laughs> to give it that look. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because there's just nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think it's, I mean, I, I wish it was uh, kind of like traditional photography where it wouldn't be, it's not necessarily the, the only way things are printed, but there would be still ways that you could do, uh, work on a copier that still did it the same old fashioned way, I guess. Yeah. In preparing for this interview, I researched the work that you've done with early color copying and promoting it and using it as an art form. And I absolutely consider you like a pioneer in that field uh, as well as a cheerleader for it. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, yeah. I, I did a lot of copy work. For a while, and it, yeah. it was it was great. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned the mail art shows at Postcard Palace. Can we talk about about those and oh um, yeah, definitely. Kind of that first show and the entries you received and what jump started that first mail art show. You know, Jenny. After we initially talked about doing this, I was trying to think, now, how did it all start? But like I said, there was kind of this zeitgeist. Um, I didn't know about Buster Cleveland. I didn't know Bill Gaglioni or Anna Mm -hmm. Banana. All Mm -hmm. of those people I I met and learned about. Uh, We had shows for Buster. Uh, They all came to us. Again, it was this very fortunate thing that happened where we were there we were making postcards what do you do with a postcard you mail it (laughs) and um (laughs) so it it was great um and I wasn't really very familiar with the whole thing of of quote mail art but and I don't know where that first idea came but we had the first one we did five of them all together and the first one was the next you know that first year after we opened and the one thing that I've always thought about postcards, uh, whether you made the postcard, whether you bought it, whether it's from your vacation in Hawaii or whatever, they're very democratic. Mm-hmm. There's no, pro- right. they're not private. I think nowadays 
a lot of postal sorting and all that is probably done, you know, mechanically or something, but they're still the mailman. <laughs> and I always loved that idea that they were very democratic, they're very egalitarian, you know, your message, your name, everything mm-hmm. is right there on, on the image. However, we got started on it, we decided to have a, a mail-in postcard art show and uh, no, nothing curated. It had to be within certain size limits. It, it had to be sent through the mail, although we did fudge on that a few times, I confess. Um, uh-huh. and, and that was it. And we just got hundreds and hundreds of responses. And for us, it was a fun show because it was an it was easy. And we just put them up all that white space that Rex Ray saw above our card racks. <laughs> we just covered yeah. with cards and push pins and you couldn't, a few people asked for them back, but there was no guarantee that you would get it back. And we didn't really write anything up or document it. We'd have a big show, big party. They weren't yeah. for sale. If you wanted them back, you could pick them up. But basically, uh, you know, we weren't responsible for anything that happened. A couple of them got snitched. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But it was just this, just make it, mail it, send it in. And um, we we just got incredible stuff. And like I said, a lot of the, quote, artwork, I, I don't know if it's, if I would call it art necessarily, but. It, it was just spontaneous and fun and of the time. Yeah, I just have some treasures. I remember some of them, like, they weren't all art necessarily. We got a hardtack biscuit, which is still my favorite thing, with a stamp on it. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe that any of this would go through the mail now because these things came with a stamp. I mean, the hardtack biscuit really was my all-time favorite. Uh we got a little yeah. bag stapled to a card that had little plastic fish in liquid. We did get a <laughs> cement brick, but it came with oh, on a boy. bicycle messenger. It wasn't postmarked. We fudged <laughs> a little bit on that. Uh, pieces of metal, rubber. rubber. We had yeah. one wonderful photographer uh, who's still working and a friend, Dennis Ledbetter. He, Send, send them one a day over a period of about a month, you know, um, a photograph. It, it was basically a large photograph that he had cut and divided up into individual postcards. And so when they all came, then we assembled them on the wall as one image. Very, very clever stuff. A lot of goofy, fun stuff. It, it, it was great. But we did four, five shows all together and at one point I think it was maybe 81 but the intersection for the arts was just right up um, on Union Street which is now a Korean church I think but intersection put on a male art show and it was pretty mm-hmm. much based on our collection of male art up to that time period it was called Sincerely San Francisco and uh, Diane wow. actually took it on the road for a couple other places. I came upon a list of artists. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had hundreds of artists, uh, Bay Area, all around the country, international. But a lot of this, back to the, the concept of male art, a lot of these people were very involved and still are in male art. And uh, sometimes a, a 
a piece would go to one person and they would embellish it in some way and send it on or mm -hmm. copy that, transform that in some way. And it would go on to a, right. another individual, another artist. Right. Um, ours were really the, the cards that we got for our show were basically for the exhibit and for us, I guess to put in my closet <laughs> same for how many years, I don't know. But it was more it's more kind of spontaneous, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. So then how did people know about the show? Because you know, nowadays people find call for entries and things on the web. Oh well we um uh, we would advertise and we had of course a mailing list. Because ah, okay. we'd always get a mailing list yeah. uh from any of our shows and people who would come by at the shop and whatever. And we would advertise another thing when I was going through a lot of this old uh, material that I've saved. I mean, the Chronicle would publish uh, gallery openings. I don't even know if they do that anymore. Uh, but there were like the museums and there were like the downtown galleries, I guess you would say. And then there were their alternative spaces. And so you could just send in your press release. Um, so we would do... Yeah. You know, we do the Chronicle, the Bay Area Guardian. There was a magazine called Art Week mm -hmm. that was predominantly uh, photography. There was another Metro, I think, that was mostly photography. Uh -huh. There were any number of alternative um, publications, yeah. plus the mainstream. And then we'd have, of course, flyers that we'd hand out in the store. Mm -hmm. And a word would get yeah. around, you know. You had mentioned previously that in 1985, the Postcard Palace closed. So there were about five years worth of mail art exhibitions. Uh, yeah, we. I think uh, the last couple of years, Diane moved to Los Angeles. And by that time, uh, Electro Arts had moved in. And Nora, her name is Nora Manachuri, and she kept the store. You know, as I said, it, small business is hard anyway. Selling art, whether it's in a frame or on a postcard, is never been a, a really the easiest thing to do, and especially if it was a little avant-garde, shall we say. <laughs> and um, we started selling more little toys and posters and stuff, and it was moving away mm -hmm. from my original idea. So I finally decided to to not do it anymore. Nora stayed there, I think for a couple more years and, um, and then okay. she, I think closed it down. So that, that was it. The, the mail art show went from, uh, we started them in 79 and we had five of them. So what is that? 84 would be the last mm -hmm. one, I guess. But I, um, I still, when I hear about, uh, mail art shows, I, I do participate some, uh, I send out a whole lot of mail <laughs> and a lot of postcards, mm, mm -hmm. but I, you know, I do a lot of other things too. So it's not my main thing, yeah. but I love to print cards. I love to mail them. I love to buy them. <laughs> I love to hoard them. So, so I'm definitely a postcard person. Yeah. For better or for worse, right? <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> So we had been talking and you mentioned that you've been spending some time lately going through some of the archive stuff that you have around the postcard palace, the mail art and the photos and things. And just so listeners know, there's a Facebook group. Is that correct? It's, um, it's a page, um, 
I'm so okay. not tech savvy. I actually, it probably should be a group rather than a page, but it, there is a postcard palace page on Facebook. And um, mm-hmm. so I post things that I find and that are related and it, it's a fun page. You should look at it. It's um, yeah. I'll, um, I'll definitely include it in the show notes yeah. because people share on that page too. They share stories and things of their own. So, you know, as you're sort of like reflecting back, you know, 30 years later, as you look back with, with people and they're sharing their stories and their photos and their memories of, you know, postcard palace and things they loved about it. Is it, is it nostalgic? Do you feel um, sentimental it about is, it? It is uh, nostalgic, of course. Um, but I also have been very pleasantly surprised at how many people we apparently touched with our little wacky mm. experiment in North Beach on Columbus Avenue. It's like, really? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I have because, you know, when... I'm talking about my issue with, I wish there were more dates on some of these things uh, because some, I'm, I'm not, I don't remember the sequence on some of these events and stuff. When I go back and, and look at this, we were, we were trying to keep a business going. So that was always kind of in the background and we struggled. I admit we struggled right. with that part of yeah. it, but the fact that I guess what, you know, what really moved me when I put this Facebook page up was just how many people responded and while we were just doing our thing and enjoying a lot of it, but also going through the thing of trying to keep a business going, I think that sometimes overtook what other people were getting from it, that they were enjoying it so much, remembering right. it so much, and having all these uh, experiences that they still cherish even. Uh, yeah. And so it's, it, it made me feel really, it made me feel really good. Like, um, you know, like there was an impact yeah. there that I didn't really yeah. recognize as much at the time. And now I can think, well, yeah, right. yeah, we did that. <laughs> we had that right. cool place. Right. right, with some time and some distance, you can yeah, exactly. you know, see exactly. multiple sides of it. Yeah. And I met wonderful I mean, people, I, too. That's, that's the other thing. I mean, friends, artists and friends and people that uh, have remained friends. To this day. Yeah. And I know, I mean, I know I have friends who still talk about the postcard palace and what it meant to them and just how inspirational it was, how they, they were able to see artistic things and I I, like grab certain concepts there that they couldn't find anywhere else in San Francisco. And that was really important, you know? So, so you said that you do, you still send, you still mail things out. Um, oh, and yeah. so <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So do you send much mail these days? I mean, well, um, you know, I think I referenced or maybe it was when we were talking about I started drawing kind of more seriously a couple years ago. Uh, my friend Diane Best, who was my partner all those years back, gave me a bunch of uh large size paper that she had gotten in Nepal and travels earlier and was still importing, I guess, for a while. And it's this wonderful rough handmade. I mean, it had gravel in it and probably some dead bugs. It was great stuff. And um, I started, uh, you know, we have this garden where I live 
and it's kind of a wild place, but it's still pretty beautiful and wonderful. And I would be out there working and pulling up, uh, taking dead leaves off this, these plants and thinking these are just so beautiful. And I started doing these big drawings on that paper and really got into it. And then I just started keeping up a sketchbook a little bit more rigorously than I had. Um, but it's still very involved. I've done a lot of scanning and straight photography, the scanning stuff. I've done big scanned images and then have them made into 24 by 36 inch canvases that are really cool. Wow. When everything shut down a year ago, mm-hmm. I really started concentrating on the drawing and my computer was down, so I couldn't do much in that in that realm. And I've been drawing just like crazy, and it's really been great in a lot of ways. And I'm, um, I think I've really grown as an artist, but I've also kept sane <laughs> for a year. <laughs> I yeah. show uh, at a occasion, not on a regular basis, but I do show. I've had work at Studio Gallery on Pacific here in our neighborhood, okay, and at Live Worms in North Beach. I'm. I love cards as we've been talking about, obviously. So I had, when I worked at Bloomers, the florist here in San Francisco, where I worked for many, many years, I would do a lot of floral imagery and I print those from my photographs and from my drawings and from my scans on this beautiful Fabriano paper and sell those. I pretty much sold those only at Bloomers because it's hard to, that kind of thing is very hard to to make big quantities of. And I, I just wasn't into that aspect of it. I just wanted to be able to get imagery out and make it beautiful and sendable. Um, so that's still what yeah. I do. But the postcards mostly, I still love to make them as postcards because I want to stamp on them or mini stamps on them. <laughs> I want to yeah. rubber stamp, yeah. you know, I want to do stuff to them. Um, so... Right. And again, referring to my friend Barbara Cushman, who was such a pal, I have a lot of stamps that she had used. And I I buy stamps all the time just because I love them. Um, So I I like to incorporate those somehow with uh, images. But again, it's, it's, there's no plan specifically. It's just, I love, I'm very visually oriented. I love to look at stuff. And I like to yeah. make stuff. And um, <laughs> if it's appropriate to stick a stamp on it, I will. If it's not, I won't. You know, whatever. It, it's there's no there's no plan really. But I I still do it. Yeah. And I another thing I wanted that when we first started talking, like how did you get into cards and mailing and all of that, and how that was such a part of when I was young because that's how people communicated. Um, and now, and I, of course, use technology all the time, and I Instagram, and I message people, but I think that people love getting a piece of mail, of something that is sent through the post office more than they ever did, because now it's more of a rarity, and I, you know, I've developed I, these um 
there are people that I correspond with with just an image and a little note and a bunch of stamps all the time. And it's so much fun to get real mail, you know. I think people appreciate yeah. it even more. They might not, I might not always get one back, but people love it when I send them something. <laughs> it's true. And, you know, I hear it all the time from people, whether they whether they email it to me or they do literally write that on the back of a card and send it to me, you know? And I think because, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I think because we're in front of monitors and screens so much, mm-hmm. it, like you mentioned, it's that much more meaningful to get a mm-hmm. physical, tangible thing in the mail. Yeah. Yeah. Something you can hold in your hand. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And something that was created, you know, by the sender for the recipient, you know, yeah. or the receiver. Like, that's Personal. a really special thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, wow, Barbara. I know. <laughs> Time We've flies. Done it, we're we? having fun. <laughs> wow. Time flies. I mean, that's, that's such a beautiful sentiment to kind of wrap up with. Um, and I really, really want to thank you so much for, for taking the time to to talk to me not only about your own work, but also Postcard Palace and San Francisco. And um, it's been super fantastic. Thank you so much. Well, well, thank you, Jenny. It's been fun. All right. So Senders Receive listeners, we'll be back in two to three weeks. I want to thank Barbara Wyeth for spending time with us today. And we'll see everyone in the mail. Bye for now. Senders Receive is recorded, edited, and hosted by Jenny Hinchcliffe, with many, many thanks to the contributors, artists, and interview subjects of Senders Receive. Our intro-outro music is by Kitsa and used as per the artist's Creative Commons terms. Additional info can be found in the show notes. If you're a mail artist or postal modern interested in being interviewed for Senders Receive, I invite you to send an email to sendersreceivepodcast at gmail.com. Keep current on new episodes at our Instagram account, at Senders Receive Podcast. That's all for now, and thanks for listening.